Q&A Holes Podcast presents The Sea Report with Mr. C for Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. Good evening and welcome, welcome to The Sea Report. This is your host, Mr. C. I hope everyone's doing well. Through the frozen United States of America, we're still chilly here down in Texas. Um, and, um, you know, I, I don't mind the chill. I don't mind the snow. Never had a white Christmas before, regardless of whether or not it was on Christmas. Uh, if, if you uh, had a Valentine's, if you were ever so lucky to be with someone, if that is uh, your intended desire in life, well... You had a white Valentine's. Why gotta be white? I don't know. Ask nature. Nature's the one that made Snow White after all. Not just Disney. All right. So what's going on on a Tuesday evening? Well, uh, we see yesterday, <coughs> pardonnez-moi, for President's Day, we had a President Trump celebration down in Florida, or I should say over in Florida, since uh, Florida and Texas are about as down as it can get in the United States of America. But uh, yeah, over in Florida, there was a Trump celebration over in Mar-a-Lago, Palm Palm Beach area. Um, Let's see, uh, Charlie McCarthy reports. Trump surprises supporters with drive-by at President Day rally. Former President Donald Trump surprised supporters Monday with a drive-by appearance at a President's Day rally near his residence in Palm Beach, Florida. As hundreds of Trump supporters congregated on both sides of a road about a mile west of the Mar-a-Lago Club, the former president was in one of the four black SUVs that slowly passed by as people cheered and waved Trump flags and American flags per Breitbart. Supporters chanted USA, USA, as Trump's spot was spotted through the window of an SUV. Police who were present to keep people off the road prevented crowd members from approaching the SUVs. The vehicles continued on down the highway after rolling past the crowd. The West Palm Beach event was streamed live by Right Side Broadcasting Network and also filmed by a local station's WPEC CBS 12 News. Other Trump supporters also showed their affection for the former president on Monday. A plane flew by Mar-a-Lago with a message reading, We heart Trump. The best is yet to come. On Sunday, a San Antonio, Texas woman spent more than $1,000 to have a plane fly by Trump's residence saying, We love you, Press Trump. Happy Valentine's Day. The former president surprised his supporters two days after being acquitted at the Senate impeachment trial, which came after the House voted to impeach Trump for inciting protests to riot the Capitol on January 6th. Ah, uh, isn't that something special? Well, whoever the San Antonio, Texas woman was that spent a thousand dollars to have a plane fly by, um, Trump's resident saying, We love you, Trump. Happy. That's that is so special. That is so nice. Thank you, lady in San Antonio. It's a shame we don't know who you are. Uh, it seems like Texas and San Antonio come into play in this here uh, podcast, uh, it would seem. But you see, we have we have a woman arrested for, you know, harvesting votes in San Antonio on caught on the news on Project Veritas. Then we have a woman from San Antonio sending President Trump some love, a thousand dollar plane to fly by his residence saying that we love you. Happy Valentine's Day, President Trump. And indeed, I hope you and Melania, I hope Melania is treating you well, Mr. Trump. I hope Melania is treating you well, Daddy Trump. 
And that's all I got to say about that. All right. uh, Getting on with uh, Mr. Trump, Mr. Daddy President Trump. This uh, article comes from uh, Tama Ozimek. Trump relieved by acquittal in impeachment trial from an advisor. All right. Former Trump campaign strategist Jason Miller told Newsmax on Monday (coughs) that former President Donald Trump is glad that his impeachment trial is over and relieved that he has been acquitted. Of course, the president was relieved, Miller told the Spicer and Company program. He was glad to be getting past this second impeachment witch hunt. On February 13th, the Senate voted 57 to 43 to convict Trump. Ten votes shy of the 67 needed for a guilty verdict. Now I'm going to pause the article right here real quick and say, why couldn't they say on... uh, February 13th, the Senate voted 57 to 43 to hold Trump innocent. Or at 43 to 57. You know what I mean? Like, to convict him. Anyways, the vote cleared Trump of the charge of incitement of insurrection, an allegation that his lawyers panned as a monstrous lie that didn't reflect the reality of what happened on January 6th when the U.S. Capitol was breached and overrun. I'm stopping the article again, and I would have to agree with that. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's more of a monstrous lie in the fact that Yes, there was commotion, and yes, there was some sort of event that took place that most of us were unaware of. Yes, that did happen. But the reason why it's a monstrous lie is because, like the coronavirus, COVID-19, it is blown out of proportion to such a way and in such a manner. It is a monstrous lie because they doctored evidence. Like... You know, that's really why it's a monstrous lie. It's a monstrous lie because they are the ones who are lying. They are the ones who could not even muster up enough gall to go through with an investigation properly and with questioning proper witnesses and having all of this, what, discovery and all these depositions. Like, what of uh, the uh, impeachment managers... Who did they do with that? Who did they do that with? Nancy Pelosi? Was that the extent of their investigation? Talking with her and then having a popper party? Anyways, <clears throat> an insurrection, unlike a riot, is an organized movement acting for the express purpose to overthrow and take possession of a government's powers, Trump lawyers wrote in filings arguing that the former president's speech was not an act encouraging an organized movement to overthrow the United States government. In a statement following his acquittal, Trump thanked his supporters and announced the impeachment effort effort as a witch hunt. This has been... Yet another phase of the greatest witch hunt in the history of our country, Trump said. Trump also teased a political comeback, saying that our historic, patriotic and beautiful movement to make America great again has only just begun. In the months ahead, I have much to share with you, and I look forward to continuing our incredible journey together to achieve American greatness for all of our people. While Trump has remained out of sight since leaving office on January 20th, releasing a few statements and mostly communicating through intermediaries, Miller said Trump will be back. He said last month that Trump will become active in politics again to make sure Republicans win the House in 2022. He's got a ton of money. He's the biggest name. He's going to get that done, he said on Steve Bannon's War Room. Meanwhile, three quarters of Republicans told Quinnipiac University pollsters that they want Trump to play a prominent role in the Republican Party. 
The national poll released two days after Trump's acquittal found that 75% of Republican respondents said Trump should play a major role in the GOP going forward, with that number dropping to 34% if all categories of respondents are considered. At the same time, 87% of Republicans said they think Trump should not be barred from holding future office, with that number dropping to 43% if Democrats and independents are included in the polling mix. He is certainly not out of favor with the GOP. Twice impeached, vilified by Democrats in the trial, and virtually silenced by social media, despite it all, Donald Trump keeps a solid foothold in the Republican Party. Quinnipiac University polling analyst Tim Malloy said in a February 15th release. Oh, how interesting. So Daddy Trump may be coming back. Now, here's the thing and here's the deal. Like, okay, so... We know that there was and is a coup of the presidency of the United States of America, of this country, a coup of of uh, standing President Donald Trump, who won in an election landslide, won in an election landslide, turned almost every state in the nation red, right? Like, this is a fact. 410 electoral votes. The man received 410 electoral votes, right? One in the landslide. There's a coup. There's a fraud. There's a cover-up. Several agencies are involved. Now, the only thing that I can think of happening, because I've already said that if people are thinking about a 2022 or 2024 election cycle and they're thinking about you know uh actually being able to vote and for it to count i've i've been of the school of thought that there is no election to occur because after all everything was rigged the machines they used were all you know they were bubkis basically you know they were all they were all hackable you know the computer, the computer hatch was easier than a back alley, you know, breezeway. And here we have people thinking that they're actually going to be able to vote and make a difference in 2022 and 2024. Yes, I've been in that school of thought. But now I'm thinking if everything is just being fortified moving forward, like behind the scenes what we don't see is that the military has you know basically taken control of the country and these people are being allowed to run the course on tv on their tv because don't forget the television you see is their television it's not anyone else's television it's they own all of that they own all of that They don't own me, even though, uh, you know, Anchor is owned by Spotify, which is owned by like, I don't know, Amazon or Google or something like that. Like, so essentially, yes, this program is owned, but it is not. But I am here telling you that it is all owned. So, uh, you know, you know, you can have people who can bust out like the Epic Times because the Epic Times worked hard to get there. You can have people who can bust out like Steve Bannon because that dude's been through a bunch of shit. You can have people who can bust through, you know, like, you know, you know, torysays.com or millennial millennial Millie or hell even Giuliani and his common sense, you know, or Dan Bongino, but he's on TV too. He's on Fox and he I think was, you know, part of one of Alex Jones like a uh, little like you know, uh, Johnny Appleseeds. <laughs> That's what I think about, you know, people like Dan Bongino. Um, because uh, Alex Jones was going to take a fall anyway, so we're not going to get into Alex Jones. We're not. We're going to stay on topic here with the news. But, uh, you know... I can't wait for um, the cycle to run again because what I'm thinking now is that if 
everything is indeed is is if if the military military is indeed in control and some of these people behind the scenes are being arrested and the election uh, meddling and how has has been actually been fortified and and you can see that when you look at videos like you know absolute proof by mike lindell and my pillow and we'll talk about him later on in this very same session of the c report brought to you by cunda hills podcast by the way but also <clears throat> maybe you know like it'll just run it, the country will just run its course you know biden uh something will happen with with uh president uh Ill- illegitimate joe biden you know hashtag illegitimate joe something will happen with him of course and then um you know either he'll step down he'll get sick he'll go crazy he'll get 25th amendment out kamala will come in and then she will go out maybe in 2022 maybe in 2024 and uh now that the uh voting machines are secured because we can see how it was done and maybe we get rid of that maybe we just go back to an all paper ballot voting system (laughs) you know i think we should do we should go to a paper ballot voting system with hole punchers just everyone gets a little baby hole puncher and i don't know Something thinner than cardboard stock, but thicker than a sheet of paper. Something that's like relatively thin, you know, like, you know, less than eight pound paper. Something like that. I don't know. And then they just punch the holes. And uh, you can't have um, more than like 10, uh, you know, races on any single ballot and you you can have your uh your elections every you know you can keep election cycles the same basically but if you have extra things to to vote on then you need to have like special elections for that or something like that that way you just don't get overburdened like you can you can actually take a time to care about what's on your ballot because you don't have like 20 or 30 things to go over you don't have 20 or 30 you know like uh people to go research like because when you have to go research people like you know i mean i've done it it's it's not fun especially when you're trying to figure them out and then especially because during local elections uh information is so limited um you know, and then time and location is so limited. If these people were to go speak or to go do something, you know, you know, it's not always easy. We depend on our, we depend on our, our local papers to go and do that. So, you know, maybe I'll go and talk with some people come election 2022. If everything is secure and we can depend on that, then I'm game. If we can depend on it, I am game for 2022. Um, But, I mean, I'm game now. I'm doing now. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm doing it now. Doing it now, boy. I'm doing it now. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) Okay, let's keep let's get back to the news. We're still talking Trump here this uh, Tuesday evening because we love President Trump. We love us some President Trump. Wouldn't it be something if he were able to get back in by like 2022? Because it's already 2021. I mean, they wasted all their time with him, you know. He could be, he could be seated, he could be seated by 2023. Serve two terms and then serve another four terms, that's six years. And by then, the uh, voting information, the voting machines, everything about our voting system, secured, locked down tight. We're going to have, we're going to have voting IDs that we're going to have to have, among other things. I don't know what the future holds. I like, personally speaking, my hole punch method. I think that's the best. There's a paper trail. 
and it's easy to punch holes and it's easy on the people because, you know, after all, you know, but that's the thing though, like getting everyone to be able to punch those holes because after all, you know, like what about the people that can't go to the, um, that can't go to the, (laughs) the people that cannot go to the, uh, the, the, the precincts to go punch their holes. Like, you know, like I, I get it. That would be hard. That would be hard. I guess punching holes isn't the only, only thing that we can do, but I don't know, I guess, because at the same time, say we do everything by, uh, you know, blockchain or something like that. And I don't even understand that yet to go into it as much, but I know that would involve like a unique user ID that everyone would be able to log into online and vote that way um which i think is a very convenient way but how is that secured and i think the blockchain technology is part of that security but again like i said i'm not sure i could not tell you to a fact about that but anyways um this article comes from the epic times Trump insiders confident Laura Trump will win if she runs for U.S. Senate in North Carolina. Um, So that's a great. So here we see the Trump dynasty beginning to form because I can already tell you uh, Ivana, uh, you know, Junior or, you know, Eric, any of them, if they wanted to run they or Ivanka I'm sorry not Ivana my apologies um Ivanka (laughs) if any of them wanted to run um you know or if any of them wanted to be president I'm sure anyone I'm sure anyone would jump at that entire idea now as far as um Kushner goes and you know I I don't need me Kushner in my life I don't have to deal with I don't you know I don't need that dude you know in my life so you know sorry Eric uh you don't get my vote of confidence but the article does say Laura Trump the daughter-in-law of former President Donald Trump would instantly become the candidate to beat if she chose to run for the U.S. Senate to succeed retiring North Carolina Senator Richard Burr, according to people in the Trump family's political orbit. She would immediately galvanize conservative support, and not just because her last name is Trump. A former Trump 2020 advisor with close ties to the Trump family told the Epic Times, Laura knows North Carolina and North Carolina knows her. If she decides to run, she'd bring an unmatched ability to connect with voters, which also being able to raise the necessary money to compete in a close election. Laura Trump is a native of Wilmington, North Carolina, who describes herself in her Twitter profile as a NC girl in NYC. She is married to Eric Trump, the middle son of former President Donald Trump. Um, The couple has two children. If Laura decides to run, she will trample the competition in a Republican primary. It won't be close, a former Trump White House official told the Epic Times. And as far as the general goes, remember North Carolina is a state that former President Trump won twice, and Laura probably has room to grow that support with independents who value a softer tone. Now, I'll pause the article here to say she is what going to run for the United States Senate to succeed retiring North Carolina Senator Richard Burr. Well, Laura Trump, I would say if you are going to do it, now is the time to do it. And do not besmirch the Trump name because you are the daughter of someone else. That is all I have to say about you, Miss Laura Trump. That is all I have to say. And now, if Miss Laura Trump is going to do that, now is the time because that Richard Burr won. That man, that man, that stupid man, Richard Burr, he's the one who uh, turned on Trump anyways and censured by his own legislator. So... uh, That's the way that goes. Uh, Back to the article. Reports about Laura Trump considering a Senate run in North Carolina surfaced as recently as November last year. 
Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina, reignited the conversation by flagging her as the biggest winner following the former president's acquittal in the Senate impeachment trial. The biggest winner, I think, of this whole impeachment trial is Laura Trump. Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican, South Carolina, told Fox News on January 14th. My dear friend Richard Burr, who I like and have been friends with for a long time, just made Laura Trump almost a certain nominee for the Senate seat in North Carolina to replace him if she runs. Certainly, I would be behind her because she represents the future of the Republican Party. Burr, who announced in 2016 that he wouldn't be seeking re-election in 2022, was one of seven Senate Republicans who voted to convict Trump in the second impeachment trial. The state's GOP swiftly condemned him for the vote. North Carolina Republicans sent Senator Burr to the United States Senate to uphold the Constitution and his vote today to convict in a trial that he declared unconstitutional is shocking and disappointing, Party Chairman Michael Watley said in a statement. During Trump's first impeachment trial, Burr voted against convicting Trump of the two charges against him. He led the Senate Intelligence Committee during its year-long investigation of alleged Russian interference in the 2016 election, which found no evidence that either Trump or anyone on his campaign colluded with Moscow. Jason Meister, who worked with Laura Trump on the advisory board to the Trump campaign, told the Epic Times that the former president's daughter-in-law would surely win if she decided to run. Laura is an authentic leader of the America First movement, and she greatly understands the unique challenges our country faces with the Biden administration The state of North Carolina would be lucky to have her serve us, Meister said. She was also an integral part of President Trump's campaign, both in 2016 and 2020. We're in the midst of the gut renovation of the GOP and we need to remove the dead wood. And that's sort of how I see the impeachment vote. A survey last year by Big Data Poll that assessed Laura Trump's image in North Carolina showed her above water in terms of favorability, with 11% more favorable views than unfavorable. Meanwhile, roughly one in five North Carolinians said they weren't familiar enough with her to form an opinion, including a large number of independents, suggesting that she has room to grow, Richard Burr. Barris, the director of Big Poll Data, told the Epic Times, I have told people before that I do think that she should run if she wants to be a U.S. senator because she would be very strong, Barris said. Now that we have the election and we saw who voted for Donald Trump and how he kept the state of North Carolina in his column, I think really... It would take someone like Laura Trump for the Republicans to hold it. Trump won the state by 1.3 points in 2020 against Joe Biden and by 3.6 points in 2016 against Hillary Clinton. According to Barris, the growing political influence of the Research Triangle, an area in North Carolina anchored by three major research universities and dozens of large corporations, requires any viable Republican contender to draw votes from registered Democrats in the western part of the state who often vote Republican in federal elections. 
for the presidency of the for the presidency and for the senate they can vote for republican and often do but they have been less likely to do so over the last two years because these are working-class, old-school, ancestral Democrats and they don't like traditional Republicans, Barris said. So somebody like Laura Trump, especially if she had the same strong message as her father-in-law, I think would be a very strong candidate. Without those working-class people, the math just doesn't add up. Barris said Laura Trump impressed him as a great retail politician while on the campaign trail. She could get up in front of a crowd, and then when she gets off the stage, she can mingle, Barris said, noting that connecting with people face-to-face is key for Republicans because of the media's left-leaning bias. You really have to be able to do that if you're going to run for the Senate, especially if you're a Republican. The impeachment trial and subsequent acquittal of the former president made Laura Trump an even stronger candidate because Republican primary voters overwhelmingly viewed the impeachment as a political maneuver by the Democrats, according to Jim McLaughlin, a Trump campaign pollster who has worked with more than 70 members of Congress, 14 U.S. senators, and 10 governors. A recent survey of voters in battleground states by McLaughlin and Associates showed that 60% of all voters viewed the impeachment as a waste of time. Meanwhile, 80% of voters, Trump voters, and... 76% of Republicans were less likely to vote for a member of Congress who voted to impeach Trump. That whole impeachment is why people hate Washington, McLaughlin told the the Epic Times, appointing to multiple crises facing the nation. McLaughlin, who polled for the Trump campaign during the first impeachment trial, said the former president's approval ratings were as strong as they ever were following the acquittal. I think it's one of those things that makes them Donald Trump, Laura Trump, makes them even stronger, McLaughlin said. Anybody with President Trump's name would be a great candidate, let alone his daughter-in-law. And that's the uh, immediate Trump news for this session of The Sea Report. I hope you guys are enjoying. And as always, visit The Sea Report at qnaholespodcast.com. And Trump leads. Trump leads, Trump leads, Trump leads. President Trump leads at The Sea Report. We hope you're enjoying the news of the day. And now news from the Show and Pony production. Uh, Castle Rock Studios presents the illegitimate Biden administration. White House Deputy Press Secretary Ducklow resigns after threatening reporter. This from justthenews.com. White House Deputy Press Secretary T.J. Ducklow resigned over the weekend after being suspended for making sexist remarks and threatening a female journalist trying to report on his relationship with another reporter. Ducklow on Friday was suspended for a week without pay following a Vanity Fair story alleging he threatened the Politico reporter. I will destroy you. The administration was under increasing scrutiny about Ducklow punishment, considering President Biden had said on his first day in office, Come on, man. If you ever work with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I will fire you on the spot and replace you with the board that will approve. No ifs. Ands or buts, malarkey, he added. The other reporter with whom Ducklow had a relationship works for the online news group Axios and previously covered the Biden campaign and transition, according to the Associated Press. Uh, 
Ducklow said Saturday in announcing his resignation that he was devastated to have embarrassed and disappointed my White House colleagues and President Biden. No words can express my regret, my embarrassment, and my disgust for my behavior, he said. I use language to that no woman should ever have to hear from anyone, especially in a situation where she was just trying to do her job. It was a language that was abhorrent, disrespectful, and unacceptable. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki announced the suspension Friday. Wah, wah, wah. Cry me a river, Ducklow. I mean, Cudlow. I mean, whatever your name is. All right. Let's see what else is going on here. Oh, oh, oh. It looks like Illegitimate Joe, hashtag Illegitimate Joe, has um, uh, not called everyone on his uh, roster list here just yet. And it could be causing quite a stir. This tip comes from the right scoop. Um, It says that uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Monday acknowledged differences with U.S. President Joe Biden over Iranian and Palestinian issues, but said they enjoy a very strong working relationship. The White House on Friday denied that Biden was snubbing Netanyahu by failing to include him so far in an early round of phone calls to foreign leaders since taking office on January 20th. So I guess the question here is, um, I mean, uh, has Netanyahu been waiting for Biden to call? And who has Biden called? And who is making a big deal about this? Some guy named Ari Flesher. Ari Flesher, mind your own business, Ari. Mind it. Uh, but let's find out. Let's see. Let's see who Biden has called from the comfort of his basement in his jammy jams. Because, you know, at this point in his life, Biden's like, I just want to be in my jammy jams all day long in my basement. That's uh, bomb proof. Because this way I don't have to duck and cover like they taught me when I was a kid. Because, you know, at this point in Biden's life, when he's kind of going senile and I'm not trying to pick on the geriatric community, I promise you. But all I am saying is Biden's like... Back when I was a kid, we used to duck and cover if there was a bomb, if we didn't have a bomb shelter. And so I have a bomb shelter, so I don't have to duck and cover. Come on, man. That's what Biden's saying. And so there he is in his jammy jams, because also Biden's also saying, come on, man. I was supposed to live my life out like old Bill did, and I was supposed to live my life out like George did, and just go to the tropics every winter and spend my time on the islands, you know, hop between the island my brother had and, you know, Jeffrey's, and, you know, just have a good time, man, sniffing, sniffing heads all day long, man. But since I can't have that, I'm going to be in my basement, in my jammy jams, because my basement is a bomb shelter. And from this basement, Bryden has called Justin Trudeau. That was the first person he had to call. He was like, hey, boy, let me tell you something, boy. Come over here and let me sniff that wallop of hair. Let me let me sniff that 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 mouse brown hair of yours, Justin Trudeau. I know you like him old, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> Get on over here. Then he called Andres Manuel Lopez Abrador, who, if anyone didn't know, that was the president of Mexico. So you learned something today. Andres Manuel Lopez Abrador. Bienvenidos a Estadounidense. 
Princess, <laughs> excuse me, Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Now, Boris Johnson, he's the doofus-looking Donald Trump lookalike that the United Kingdom and the European Union used to swindle the United Kingdom, uh, the citizens, the people of the United Kingdom, to swindle them into believing that they were going to leave the European Union and that the United Kingdom was going to Brexit out of there. Boris Johnson, everyone sees you for the fat cat Heathridge you are. Heathcliff. (laughs) Everyone sees you for the fat cat Heathcliff Donald Trump impersonator doofus you are. And you, sir, you, sir, you, sir, need to stifle yourself. President Emmanuel Macron of France was the next one to call. Now, Macron, Cabron Macron. I don't know. I don't even want to know what that conversation was like. Uh, Angela Merkel. He calls Chancellor Merkel of Germany. I'm sure uh, Angola and uh, Biden probably had a lot of fun, fun times back in the day. Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg of NATO. I guess they count as a president. President Vladimir Putin of Russia. I wonder what that conversation was like. He's like, um, so we can finish this transfer of uranium to Russia that Obama started? Uh-huh. Or do you think Putin was like, you do not know that President Trump knows you. Our deep state operative. And you are going to jail for fraud and treason. Then he called Prime Minister Yoshihid Suga of Japan and Moon Jae-in of Korea and Scott Morrison of Australia and then Prime Minister Narendra Modi. We covered that on the Sea Report from Biden's basement in his jammy jams. Lastly, Xi Jinping of China and yet he has not contacted Netanyahu of Israel Netanyahu is the consummate politician who isn't going to poison the waters with Biden but he knows just like we all know that Biden's refusal to call him is a huge snub Israel is one of our closest allies, if not our closest. And Netanyahu deserved a call from Biden right after he took office. This snub just shows that his administration, just like Obama, is not pro-Israel. They are pro-Palestine and will do everything they can to undermine Netanyahu. Trump was a great friend of Israel, and I'm sure Netanyahu will miss that greatly. You know who Biden called? Well... We told you. And uh, the Chinese president, hmm, that's rather interesting, especially as if you'll recall on the Sea Report, their conversations were not exactly mirror of each other. Now, uh, let's see here. Lastly, on uh, some of this uh, illegitimate presidency roundup, we have an article featuring two lovelies, Kamala Mala Mala Harris, the current illegitimate vice president, and uh, some, um, some uh, more uh, gossip with this Axios publication. This Axios publication seems to be coming up a lot recently. I know it's, uh, it's a, uh, what do you call it? I know the, the, I know the publication has standing, but... Personally speaking, I, Mr. C of the Sea Report, not very familiar with it. I've heard of it before. Axios deleted a tweet doing journalism on Monday and replaced it with overt activism that protects Vice President Kamala Mala Harris in spewing lies about the pandemic preparedness that this administration inherited from its predecessors. Ooh, the Federalist is going in. 
The original post featuring a brief interview between Axios co-founder Mike Allen and the vice president included critical contexts to correct Harris's erroneous assertion that the Biden White House has been forced to start from scratch on coronavirus vaccine distribution. We're starting from scratch, Harris said to Axios on HBO, on something that's been raging for almost an entire year. The initial text accompanying the video included Harris's statement along with another from National Institutes of Health Director Anthony Fauci disputing the claim repeated by White House staff last month. We certainly are not starting from scratch, Fauci told reporters during a press briefing. So that's pretty interesting. So uh, we have here the Federalist's um, article, Axios deletes tweet, doing journalism, replaces it with activism to allow Kamala Mala Harris to spread vaccine lies. So we have Fauci saying that, you know, um, uh, we're not starting from scratch that President Trump had a plan because essentially that's saying that the entire time that Trump said Fauci had a plan well Trump knew that Fauci didn't have a plan because Fauci was the one who was in charge he and Vice, uh, Vice President of the time Mike Pence now Kamala's saying there was no plan and that's to say that is A to undermine Fauci and B to say that Vice President Pence was just sitting around diddling kids all day long But we don't know if Vice Prince uh, was sitting around diddling kids all day long. We just know that his name is on a sealed indictment from Florida in Indiana saying that he was sitting around diddling kids all day long. But that's a story for another time and we're not going to speculate on the C-Report. Let's get back to this article. So here we have two lies being busted at the same time. Good job, Federalist. We have... uh, Kamala Harris or Fauci lying, and then we have Axios lying on the lies. Hmm. So the original, um, the original Axios post said at Vice President Harris and at Mike Allen, there was no national strategy or plan for COVID nineteen vaccinations. We're starting from scratch, and then it says in the same tweet. At a press conference last month, Fauci said, We recently are not starting from scratch on vaccine distribution. Hashtag Axios on HBO. So Axios here on HBO is calling out Harris for saying that there's no plan by saying that Fauci said that they're not starting from scratch. And then... Axios scrubs that tweet and has a new one that says, VP Kamala Harris tells Axios and HEB, there was no national strategy or plan for vaccination. We were leaving it to the states and local leaders to try and figure it out. So now Kamala is saying, now this is interesting, and I have to say this is interesting, and I know some people will find this interesting too, because Vice President Harris is saying that there was no national strategy or plan for vaccinations. And that they were leaving it to the states and local leaders to try and figure it out. When they had Operation Warp Speed, which was going to utilize the military, and the the military was already deployed to do such things, to help deliver all of these vaccines if necessary. Like, all of this was already in place. And then to say that they were going to leave it to local leaders to try and figure it out when they wouldn't even leave it to local leaders or independent hospitals or science labs to try and figure out the vaccines itself. Really? But you're going to try and leave it to them to deploy it. Okay. In fact, the White House is starting far from scratch, the article says. Below is the coronavirus distribution program outlined by the Trump administration's triumphant Operation Warp Speed. While the Biden team first came into office pledging a goal of 100 million shots administered in the first 100 days, the pace to achieve that threshold has already been accomplished by Trump hitting 1 million shots per day. Biden then changed his goal to reaching 150 million, which would inoculate about a fifth of the entire United States population including the most vulnerable and essential workers. 
Axios deleted the first post, however, replacing it with a tweet that featured Harris's claim uncritically excluding Fauci's comment. So there you go. Pretty crazy. Back to the article. The decision to protect Harris comes several days after news broke that the publication's beat reporter for the vice president's office, Alexei Mekamand, is in a romantic relationship with former White House Deputy Press Secretary T.J. Ducklow. Mm. Oh, so the, uh, the uh, story comes full circle. Ducklow resigned Saturday following comments reported in Vanity Fair that exposed derogatory language he hurled at a political reporter who inquired to McCammond about the story. I will destroy you! Ducklow reportedly threatened Politico's Tara Palmieri to shut down the story, only for it to be published a month later alongside a glowing feature about the couple in People magazine the week before. McCammon's own work has raised question about the nature of her relationship affecting the narrative she publishes or doesn't publish. When Harris made de- headlines for claiming West Virginia coal miners go digging up landmines, the comments can't be found under McCammon's byline and are only featured in a passing reference on Axios's online pages. Allen, meanwhile, did nothing during the interview to fact-check Harris and merely reported with the question accepting the vice president's premise that the Trump White House left Biden completely unprepared. Are you having to adjust your sights now for what's possible, given that? Alex asked. Our standard has to be everything is possible, but we're going to have to work like heck to get it done, Harris said, offering aspirations absent specifics. What's your signature issue? Allen later asked, noting vice presidents often take on a majority major policy item of their own. Harris simply said it was to ensure Biden was a successful president. Given Biden's aggressive pursuit of of a partisan progressive agenda illustrated in his first month, Harris is likely governing with generous influence over the president's decisions, a predicament prophesied by conservatives since her nomination. There's no need then for Harris to take on a single issue of her own. Yep, yep, and uh, people have been wondering, where has Heels Up Harris been? Miss Kaman Iwanalea Harris, Miss Headboard Harris herself, Miss Kamalalala Cochina Harris, where has she been? I mean, normally within, you know, any given presidency, there's a little bit more activity going on than we've seen from anyone in any given administration. And maybe just a little bit more going on as far as phone calls go. Um, but then again, the Dems were tied up with this uh, whole impeachment thing. And uh, now they're going to be held up with a 9-11 commission style investigation into this. It seems like they're going to have their hands tied up for a while in regards to actual legislation or business being usual in Washington, D.C. I guess we'll have to see what happens on that front. So we had several news outlets reporting on Cuomo, Cuomo, Cuomo. You will know the name of Cuomo by the time we're done with this. And if the name Cuomo even sound familiar to you, it's because Cuomo is a reporter on CNN. But then you also have Cuomo, the governor of New York City and yes they are brothers now killer governor Cuomo or killer Cuomo as I like to call him has been in the news lately due to the COVID-19 nursing home death scandal that has rocked the United States in five states specifically 
including Governor Cuomo's. Now, Governor Cuomo's coming under fire more so than the other four states. I couldn't tell you why that is. Uh, the other states involved were also New Jersey. Actually, I take it back. The New Jersey governor is coming under fire for that. But also Governor Newsom, Governor, Governor Newsom from California, who is coming under fire from a bunch of other things as well as I guess this uh, nursing home death scandal. And the governor of Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <clears throat> so you have this going on here, right? And uh, Cuomo, um, well, you know, the uh, I guess it's I guess it's I guess the key here is the attorney general, because the attorney general of New York is the one who turned the key to open the door on the investigation into Governor Cuomo, whereas I guess perhaps the AGs of the other states, California, New Jersey, Michigan, um, was it Wisconsin? and New York, respectively, for uh, allowing, for mandating under emergency, uh, emergency powers, mandating COVID positive people into nursing homes. And uh, in the Cuomo case, after it has uh, gone before the AG revealing startling numbers, where he goes from uh, something like 9,000 reported deaths to like 15 or 16,000 reported deaths due to this mandate. Um, and uh, also courts finding in favor to subpoena the communications between Cuomo and his staff and uh, the mandate and the hospitals. Cuomo comes out and now he's blaming the staffers. And he's blaming the experts. I guess here he would be what? Blaming Fauci? Cuomo is going to blame Fauci for the, the ex Fauci for the deaths of people because he could not make a decision as the governor of New York when it came to sending COVID positive patients into nursing homes. In fact, he said it had more to do with a positive asymptomatic carriers as opposed to people who were positively carrying COVID Cuomo blamed the experts because he said they said that asymptomatic people would not spread the virus but they were wrong they were wrong 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 it's a shame 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 let's see here um it, it seems that in response to this, Rich Weinstein says March 10th, 2020, two full weeks before the 325, so the March 25th order, Cuomo did an interview on MSNBC and admits it's very feasible people are walking around asymptomatic and spreading COVID. That's pretty interesting. So, uh, two weeks before, Mr. Cuomo says, if you have COVID, you must go into nursing homes and kill everyone there. He says that it's possible that people are asymptomatic and spreading COVID walking around. I don't know, Mr. Cuomo, it's not looking good for you. It's not looking good for you at all. Mm -mm. so we'll see what happens there Cuomo seems to be in the hot seat to me if you ask me um he seems to keep he seems to keep he seems to keep trying to find a way out and you know maybe I don't know what do you think it is do you think it was total negligence or do you think it was total you know malfeasance what do you think it was with this guy do you think he just didn't care and let people do whatever he wanted or he knew exactly what he was doing and what he had to do to get done what needed to be done I don't know then he tries to blame it on politics, too. He tries to say uh, there was a disconnect between him and the DOJ. 
I guess he says uh, he sent them certain information and paperwork to get help and and uh, the DOJ responded Cuomo and his administration did not give anything to the DOJ uh, this is from Janice Dean I spoke to a senior official in December who told me they gave them nothing um, and it went on the governor and his administration need to show all the information he apparently gave or prepared for the DOJ she wants to know uh, this Janice Dean why reporters haven't asked Melissa DeRosa about her admission for covering up the numbers for Democrat lawmakers. And that was actually another issue that had fallen. You know, why is he even going to bother when Melissa DeRosa, his former top aide, admitted, has already admitted, you know, and it's already on the record that they were hiding uh, because they were not sure uh, what would happen if they were investigated by the Democrats. So Cuomo, I think your time, uh, I think you might be used as an example. Now, you know, in, uh, in, in, another, in another way also, you know, with Trump, you know, Trump, yes, being acquitted of his, uh, of this uh, sham impeachment, but with him no longer being president and kind of stepping aside, we are seeing the terrible policies these people have put in place. And we are also seeing how they reflect the values that are not American. They're not pro-America. They don't put the American people first. They put us last by, by many standards, you know, and they put other countries and other people before us so that they can grow and they can succeed and they can develop quicker and faster than we can. Where does that put America? But with Trump also no longer being president and this illegitimate president being in power, we're also seeing the media and how they play political favoritism and how they play parts and they're partisan. We're also seeing it in the entertainment industry as well. Um, I cannot stand Saturday Night Live. I cannot stand Saturday Night Live. Let me tell you how much I cannot stand Saturday Night Live. I cannot stand it. Cannot stand it. I cannot stomach it. (sighs) Under the right circumstances, I might be able to watch clips of it. But, you know, when it comes to this Governor Cuomo scandal, they recently did a skit where, you know, I could probably write 101 funny skips about skits about a killer governor ordering COVID positive patients into a nursing home. Like, let me tell you what, the shenanigans would ensue. But Saturday Night Live couldn't even do that. Nope, nope, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't poke fun at the cover-up, like, oh, ho, ho, yeah, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sending patients there to get, get killed, ha-ha, no, I'm not a killer Cuomo, ha-ha, no, they decided to ignore that, apparently, Instead, they had skits that said New Yorkers will have to provide documentation of their condition and answer medical questions like, what's the matter, you? So, I mean, (coughs) I mean, I guess, I guess that's funny, but, um, The Breitbart article that I pulled this, you know, kind of gag moment on Cuomo from does say news broke last week that the New York nursing home coronavirus death toll was higher than Governor Cuomo initially reported. News figures released suggest a rise in actual deaths from 9,000 to near near 15,000. Today, Cuomo defended his administration's decision to delay releasing data on COVID-19 deaths in long-term care facilities as state lawmakers say they're considering repealing the governor's emergency powers. State senators released a joint statement calling for the repeal of Governor Cuomo's emergency executive powers to that effect this past Friday. 
While COVID-19 has tested the limits of our people and state, it is clear that the expanded emergency powers granted to the governor are no longer appropriate, they wrote. So that's interesting. Uh, there was another article over at Breitbart about a senator, a Democratic lawmaker, a Senator John Liu, wanting to uh, take away those emergency powers. You'd think they'd have done that already, but I guess since we're, we don't know about corona, we don't know how it's killing, not killing everybody, that we have to keep everyone in these state powers to send more people to nursing homes to get killed to beef up the numbers of deaths. Why would someone do that? I don't know, but they done did it. Five states done did it. Oh, something to think about. Could it be that uh, this whole corona thing is nothing but political theater? Because they keep saying it's going to go away. And I have a feeling it is, but... There's another thing that, you know, this whole coronavirus pandemic is needed for, and that's basically the economy and the banking. Uh, I have a feeling maybe if they can get us over the hump of 2021 and doing well, because basically the deep state has to pacify everybody right now. The deep state has to pacify everybody. It's got to let the talkers talk. It's got to let the walkers walk. It's got to let the patriots patriot. It's got to let the trumpers trumpers trumper. Trumpers trumper? It's got to let the Trumpers trumpets. They're Trumpisms. It's got to let them be as happy as they possibly can be so that they can slowly put the noose around them again. But will they do such a thing? I don't know. We'll find out. Time will tell. But that's what they got to do, really, if they're planning to... Uh, if they're planning to go forward with all the plans that they'd wanted to do before. And they'll use COVID as a cover for the economy to bring us back into this uh, great reset that they're planning to do around the world. Have you guys heard about this great reset they're planning to do around the world? There's like dueling resets, if you don't know about dueling resets are supposed to be happening but we'll see what happens now that the illegitimate presidency of joe biden is in washington dc the foreign the foreign entity on this land we'll see what happens but in the meantime in between time i would say a lot and gentlemen enjoy your evening and we'll talk to you again very soon. Something is haunting the town. Adam Longoria has gone missing, and his sister claims she's been seeing a bad man in the shadows. Jesse Bachman confronts a terror that is haunting the town of Suval, but will he be able to stop a pure evil that wants him dead? Get the chilling new novella by Michael Aaron Cassidis, author of The Distance to the End. A Trick of the Eyes. A stunning new work of horror that is keeping readers turning the page. Get A Trick of the Eyes anywhere books are sold, online or in stores. Ask for it by name. A Trick of the Eyes by Michael Aaron Gossadis. <laughs>